Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host today, Rich Fay. I'm joined by Tyron Marshall. Hello, Rich. And back from, from his international break, Samuel Luckhurst, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, I, I did listen to both podcasts last week as well to try and you know stay in the loop and keep, be kept abreast of everything. And unfortunately for me, I, I don't come across as, as crisp on the airwaves as either of you two. So it, it served as, a, as good motivation for my, my comeback today. Yeah. Your two listens will uh, account for the listener spike we had last week. Then. Uh, Samuel, <laughs> I hope you've not been a uh, bad mouthers behind our back while you've been away on international oh, duty. No. That seems to be uh, the flavour of the month, doesn't it? Um, United players go away. They speak about how much happier it is to be on international duty. Paul Pogger and Luke Shaw, the two who have had the most notable comments this week. Luke Shaw, maybe the most interesting. He's always been a very honest talker during his time at United. And you know, Samuel, you wrote in your piece today that it used to be, you know, United before England, and there used to be almost these little cliques when you went away on international duty. And there's all those reports that everyone knows that going away with England is infamously meant to be quite a rather depressing thing. But now it's almost gone flip side on its head. Uh, Luke Shaw enjoying respite from United this week. That's right. I think when Ty and I were walking out of the stadium after the Atletico game, we even said that these these players must be itching to get away with their international teams, particularly uh, Harry Maguire, given the, the walking disaster of the season he's had with United. So I suppose it wasn't a, a great surprise that Shaw came out and said what he said. And even when you look at the, the full quotes in, in the full context, uh, it, it still reflects very unflatteringly on, on United and apparent, the apparent working environment that the players aren't, aren't really enjoying there, which again, we, we're all aware of that, that there was, there's an awful lot of unhappy players there uh, just going through the, through the leaks that have come out this season, that the, the news stories we've done, the things we're told, the things we hear about. Um, it's, it's probably been the easiest season covering United in, in regards to trying to gauge the, the mood of the dressing room and what's what's gone wrong there because so much has been dripping out of the club and I don't think they're going to be able to stem that any time soon either. But it is it is startling to see that it's it's almost as if they've come full circle again because when, when Solskjaer was parachuted in in December 2018, one of the briefs was that he's he's come in to put the smiles back on on players' faces, and and Shaw's talking about having, you know, playing with a smile on England duty as if that doesn't happen at United. But I think really what it, it does give away is that although he had an exceptional season last season, and he's he's had a very bad season this season, he's he's progressed terribly. Luke Shaw, he's probably just not got the mentality to be a successful Manchester United player in the sense we think of back to the days of when, when they were a dominant side and they were competing regularly. Um, however good he's been in, in the last 18 months for, for, for United and England, not, not really counting this season because it has been a poor season. But we, you know, I, I feel like I'm on repeat. Uh, crowds back, uh, expectations raised. So many players have been found out and... 
Shaw's not in the minority. He's one of these players who performed very well with uh, with with crowds not there last season. But it, it just confirms what quite a few people have thought for a number of years. And I mean, his his mentality was questioned a number of times by Mourinho. I, I don't think this is one of these cases where you know Mourinho was right all along. That that has been the case with other players, but. Shaw certainly uh, has, has kicked on and you know I think he did reach his ceiling last year when he was the outstanding left back at the European Championship but I remember even writing during during the latter stage of the championship that you know especially for for Shaw and Maguire they they almost faced this David Beckham test at United whereby it got to a point with Beckham certainly in his last 18 months or two years at United that he was more invested in playing for his country than than United and that was mainly a consequence of being made England captain. And United now have a lot of players, um, certainly as far as England's nationals are concerned, who are more invested in playing for their country than their club. And that's that's a consequence of you know, signing these players. Shaw's from the South, Harry Maguire's from Yorkshire. You'd be slightly surprised if they were majorly invested in playing for United. They're not boyhood Man United fans either. It is as far removed as it could possibly be from the late 90s and the early 2000s when their England players were pretty much all academy players. You, you maybe have the occasional player who was, who was signed from the club, for the club like like Teddy Sheringham, but it was normally the Nebels, it was David Beckham, it was Nicky Bart, Paul Scholes. They, they all played a hell of a lot of times for England, but United fans knew that they were far more invested in playing for United. Uh, the majority of them were anyway. And even Ryan Giggs, like, you know, he played in some some reasonable Wales teams, Wales teams that didn't get very far, but he he, he had a paltry number of caps um, because he would he would be regularly withdrawn from squads and because playing for Man United took took precedent for him. And I think he correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, Rich, but I think it was 2007 he retired from from Wales duty. And when you consider that he played on for United for seven more years, that that doesn't happen very often, but. In, in this period now with United, the England players and, and the other internationals, you know with the majority of them that they they much prefer playing for their country than their club, which there's always going to be an element of, but United, it's it's widespread and that really has to be something that the next manager tries, tries to address, certainly. So I was going to sort of bring you in on this. We'll get on to Pogba next, but do you think the reason they're happier with England is because they win more? I mean, you go away with England and you, you know, you are winning games. It's smiles all around. You can't really do too much wrong. But then when you're United, the pressure is maybe a bit different. I mean, there's two, two big, massive fan bases with huge expectations. But United don't win that often compared to England, probably. No, I mean, it, a part of this, I think, is that Southgate does seem to develop this sort of club England mentality where it does seem to be a happier place than it was even 10, 15 years ago when people didn't like going away with England. But I think the fact two United players have basically said the same thing this week, you know, it, I mean, it doesn't reflect brilliantly on them, but it's clear that playing for United has not been any fun this season. And yes, they're not winning that often, but it's, you know, it doesn't feel like a, a happy camp. It's that obviously when you're having a bad season, that's going to be an issue, but there's having a bad season and then as things completely falling apart and it feels like things have completely fallen apart. And as poorly as it reflects on players, they obviously are happier going away with their countries because being at United has become such a, a drain at the moment. And, you know, it's, I think it's something the club 
it's certainly the new manager that someone needs needs to look at because it, it you know we can be critical of the players over it, but at the same time they're saying that for a reason, and we can watch United as we do every week, and it's hard to identify anyone on that pitch who looks like they're having fun. I mean, no one looks like they're enjoying playing for United at the moment. Ronaldo doesn't look like he's enjoying playing for United. Fernandez doesn't look like he's enjoying it. None of them on that pitch look like they're enjoying playing their club football. Uh, you look at teams up and down the Premier League elsewhere, and especially the teams United should be competing with. City and Liverpool's players look they're having a great time. United's players look thoroughly depressed by the idea of playing for United. And it's clear that the that something within the club isn't right, that the atmosphere isn't right whether that's an issue with the squad just not gelling properly, whether it's that morale has just sunk to a record low this season because of the way things have spiralled, whether it's the fact that there's an interim manager there that hasn't really won the players over to his way of thinking. Whatever the combination, it's clear that no one's enjoying playing for United. And it's it's the biggest club in the world. Dealing with the pressure is part of the problem. But to think that there's players playing for the biggest club in the world who aren't enjoying it, reflects poorly on them but it reflects poorly on the club as well and that's something that needs to change next season it needs to become a more lightened environment really yeah exactly like you said that i think part of it is just they maybe don't believe the gimmick of it all themselves anymore they think well we keep on saying every year this could be our year but it, it's not so it's almost like they're a bit, a bit disenchanted with the, the way it's all going samuel we mentioned there that we got onto paul pogba Maybe his comments less of a surprise. I mean, to be fair to me, he said that, you know, his future is still undecided. I mean, some fans maybe say he's leaving the door open, maybe for a dramatic 11th hour contract extension. But yeah, Paul Pogba and his future is something that we almost discuss on a weekly basis. You can sort of tick it off your bingo cards and it's going to come up now. What have you made of his comments and what do you make of his future at United? His his future is is elsewhere. He it's very rare that a player who's come to the end of their contract announces that they're leaving well in advance of the contract expiring. Certainly, as far as United are concerned, Nemanja Vidic is probably the ex- exception in in recent times. I think he signed a contract with Inter Milan in in February, and that was that was announced by both clubs. But with Pogba, he needs to keep his his options open. It would be a surprise if he'd settled on a club or he'd had a pre-contract agreement with the club because of, of the times we live in now with the pandemic. It's not as though um, clubs are rushing out there at the moment. They're, they're quite relaxed about the situation, uh, especially with so many players available on freeze in the summer as well. And, and Pogba has not had he's not had a good season. He's he's played largely well since he came back from from injury and. <coughs> In early February, but he still dropped for the second leg against Atletico Madrid and against Tottenham. I thought he was, I thought he was really poor, and that probably contributed to him coming out of the team a few days later. But he has to keep, he has to keep people on side. I think there there will be some blind United supporters um, online, some some at the stadium as well, who will turn up and and still have this hope that Pogba will stay at the club but the fact that he said that the season is dead and he's he's you know, questioning spending the peak years of his career at the club which is, is completely understandable because he he's I mean he turns 30 next year he signed for United at the age of what was it 23 or 24 I think at the time in, in 2016 and the only things he's won when when that first season and he's not really come particularly close to winning anything since then they've had a couple of finals which in time, just I mean the 2018 FA Cup final is so utterly unmemorable. I suspect a lot of people can't was remember. Was that the penalty? 
They won it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a, a, a dreadful game, probably worse than the, the 2007 final that Chelsea won one nil as well. But this is this isn't surprising with Pogba. It's it's been a while, in fairness, since he went away and spoke uh, getting an interview in French. I think he's probably been quite conscious of the of the noise it creates in England. And Raola gave that quote that time saying about how. Uh, even wakes the dead, I think he said, when when, when Pogba speaks. So they've just decided that silence is golden there. But it would it would be it would be remarkable if he if he stayed at United. I, I do not see a single incentive for him to to stay at the club. Uh, th- there's not been anything any any progress made on a on a contract whatsoever. That there are just it seems like in our industry there there are occasionally some busybodies who feel in, emboldened to actually. Give, give United fans a glimmer of hope and they deliver this news in a very um, seismic way as if they're just about to deliver a, I don't know, a cancer diagnosis or something like that. I can't quite fathom the, the, the styling of it, but I came across it last week watching the telly very briefly before I provide switched over, unsurprisingly. And ultimately, we'll know that Pogba's going to go. Uh, it's, it's completely understandable that he wants to go. Um, United need to move on. They need to turn the new leaf. Uh, it, it just, I suppose it's a little bit frustrating in a way that the club aren't, aren't transparent about it, that they can't actually bring themselves to say even that, yes, Juan Mata will leave uh, when his contract expires. Um, I don't think you're, you're breaching too much of a, a clause in the players' contracts just to say that, that they're leaving. And maybe come the the final game at Old Trafford this season or the final weekend of the season, there'll, there'll be something more concrete that comes out because certain players will, will want to say, will want to have a formal farewell anyway, a little bit like Herrera did uh, in 2019. Mm. So maybe that will happen. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd be absolutely staggered if, if Pogba stays at United, having won nothing in five years, and the club is likely to be you know, consigned to Europa League for <coughs> season. Yeah, of course, to sort of bring it full circle as well, Ty Pogba was signed when United were facing a season without Champions League football themselves. You know, it was yeah. the pull of the, the manager who managed to get him there, you know, Jose Mourinho, whether you count his time United's success or not. He was an elite manager who could still attract players even without the lure of Champions League football. Now, United very likely will go into next season, again, trophy list, which is confirmed, but without Champions League football, which, you know, we talk about the top four race or whatever, is it a race, who cares, every single week on the podcast, how big is it going to be in terms of that new manager to be able to sell that clear plan and an actual belief and for players to actually buy into it, you know, this because the rhetoric's quite easy, isn't it? We saw it last year when Solskjaer convinced players that they'd have a future at the club and they haven't had a future at the club and they're still on the fringes. How difficult will it be for a manager to really hammer home his sort of philosophy and, and to convince players that they, they are still worth joining. Yeah, I mean, he, he needs to sell, whoever the manager is, needs to sell a long-term vision, don't they? Because that's what it is now, a, a long-term plan. And, <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, I think in 2016, six years ago, there was a sense that being outside the Champions League was still unusual for United, that they were, you know, they had Marino, they were close, there was a title coming. Six years down the line, there's still no title. And I don't think anyone believes that now. And the players, if United look at targeting players under 25, a lot of them will have no recollection of United ever being good. Really. You know, it's that long now. that The the idea that the club sells itself on, oh, we're the biggest club in the world, we can attract any players we want. They've been so, they've been so far out of the picture now of competing for Premier League and Champions League titles. It's just not the case. You know, the generation of players coming through who are... 18, 19, 20, 21, 
we'll look at Liverpool and Man City as being the biggest clubs in the league because United have been nowhere. They've got a massive fan base, but all they've been for the last nine years is a men, really. So, you know, there's this, this idea that the biggest club in the world, there's always going to want to be players that want to play for United. There is an attractiveness to being amongst a group of players that do finally win the league. But there's also a realism in players that careers are, are short. And do you want to tie yourself to three years, four years to a club who have been a bit of a shambles over the last nine years and have taken two steps forward and two steps back and, and seemingly going nowhere? So, you know, I think it needs to be sold on a long term vision and you probably need younger players to to do that, really. But I think it's going to be it's going to be tougher this year to attract players outside of the Champions League than it has been the last two years or so, the last two times they've been outside the Champions League. Yeah, like you said, what was it, two years ago, Solskjaer had to spend £145 million to get Harry Maguire, Wan-Bissaka, Daniel James. One of them's already left. One of them's lost his place at right back and the other one's being called to have the captaincy sort of stripped off him. So, yeah, it shows how difficult it is when United don't have a manager who can get the lure and they don't have Champions League football to offer either. Samuel, I mean, you mentioned their sort of tedious updates. Manager news? I mean, every tweet you send out will be uh, responded to with that. And again, it's one of those things where not necessarily information is being rehashed or anything, but if you put a new story out saying this is it, you'll get these sort of aggregator accounts putting the same quotes out again and, you know, acting like there is progress, but nothing imminent in the pipeline really from United. No, I think probably speaking to someone at the club, their, their response was maybe an indirect reply to what Gary Neville tweeted last week, I think it was, when he said he thinks that the manager, the new manager will be announced this week, which I think Gary Neville would probably say himself was just his his guesswork, really. Uh, I mean, when he says, I think that that would indicate his guesswork and you can you can go off the, uh, the Solskjaer announcement um, a few years ago. That was in the second week of the March internationals as well. I mean, whether it's Ten Hag or, or Pochettino, passage is smoother now, mainly because their clubs are both out of the Champions League. I know Ajax are going for a, a, a domestic double in Holland, but the fact that United have already interviewed Ten Hag uh, is an indication of how willing Ajax are to, to, to letting him go a year before his contract expires. Ajax, just, just they know their place, really. Um, Edwin van der Sar is a very shrewd operator. Um, he's, he's not deluded at all. I mean, he he was aware that they weren't going to get a lot of money for Donny van der Beek or as much money as they would have, would have liked to, uh, given that Real Madrid weren't going for him in, in 2020. So he was offered to United. Obviously, the pandemic had a crippling effect on, on clubs' finances and, and Ajax were able to obtain a respectable fee there. And, and van der Sar has said previously, uh, I think it was an interview with Jonathan Northcroft a, a few years ago um, in the Sunday Times, that when, when it comes to a point with uh, players or staff at Ajax where they can go, they, they are allowed to go. And um, that's that's all, that's all been the case for a long, long time. Um, Dutch clubs have been a halfway house for, for European talent for, for, what, decades, really? I mean, PSV did it with, with Romario and Ronaldo. It, it's, it's been a di- bit different with, with Ajax because everybody's aware of how esteemed their academy is. And at the moment, it just so happens that they've got a coach who is is coveted by United and, and is the preferred their preferred candidate, and it, and is also um, the popular pick among the supporters, which which could be crucial. I mean, Richard Arnold has done a lot of um, engaging. He's engaged a hell of a lot with the supporters over the last eleven months, pretty much since Ed Woodward fell on his sword over the Super League, and he was he was always on the fans forum before that, I think. Anyway, and 
you know, just to speaking to them, whether it's the, the the fans advisory board, which is which is confidential, I'm told, or, or the fans forum where the minutes are always published, um, on the record or off the record, he he will be getting a good gauge of what United supporters want from the next manager next season. And the popular thing for him to do, of course, would be to say, yeah, we'll we'll go with with Ten Hag, but it's it's not him who's doing the the football process so to speak he's the one who will who, you know, sign it off take it to the glaze and say we've come to this decision um we'd, we'd like to appoint eric ten Hag or monsieur pochettino whoever it may be and and they would go from there um so i i i, I as it stands now I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if, if ten Hag doesn't end up at United next season just because they have already interviewed him after those, you know, we did our story and then there were some other stories that came out before the Mail's uh, line about the interview last week. And certainly the, 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 there seemed like quite a lot of supporters to turn against the idea of Pochettino coming in, whereas in November, I think they'd have been very receptive to him being parachuted in and, and he certainly was prepared to as well. In hindsight, maybe PSG made a mistake there. Um, you, you'd have imagined under Zidane they wouldn't have collapsed like they did against Real Madrid where they were you know, 2 up, 29 minutes away from going through to the quarterfinals. They end up going out 3-2 on aggregate. So it's a bit of a sliding doors moment there for, um, for, for PSG and United. But as I said, I think because, ten, because of the situation we're in now and the fact that Ten Hag has been interviewed, um, that just solidifies the, the feeling in, in my mind and a lot of other people's minds that he is the front runner which I'm sure is a quote that's going to be taken by aggregator accounts now. <laughs> Shot down all over the internet in about a minute with this being um, been made available to download. Yeah, exactly. You've predicted that one yourself. Uh, Ty, away from the men's side of it, and you actually had the privilege of enjoying a game at Old Trafford this weekend. Mm. United Women played their first game in front of an Old Trafford crowd. What was it like? What was the atmosphere like? And what was the, the match like as well to mark the occasion? Uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, it was first United women's game I've I've been to, and yeah, it was it was really enjoyable. I think I said to you after Rich that it was a United team who were having a lot of fun playing at Old Trafford. Fans having a lot of fun watching them, and it'll never catch on. Um, you know, it'll, next Saturday it'll be back to a team who's not having fun, and a group of fans who probably aren't having fun. Uh, but it was refreshing to see. To be honest, it was a uh, you know it was a United fan Alessia Russo who scored two goals, a feel good story. There's not been many of them at Old Trafford this season. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a really encouraging day, really, a history-making day as, as United had it. There was a good crowd there, a lot of families. It's obviously a very different vibe to, to men's games. It was a lot of families, a lot of younger children. But the atmosphere was good. The performance was good. It did feel quite fitting when they went 1-0 down after three minutes to the first attack Everton had, really. That did feel very United at Old Trafford this season. But they recovered well. They were easily the better team. Easily good value for, for a 3-1 win. Um, keeps them in, in third in, in with the chance of, of getting the Champions League. I think it's top three in the WSL that qualify for the Champions League next season. United have never been there before. They've got City breathing down their necks. who have got a lot of momentum at the moment. But <coughs> excuse me, all United can do is keep winning. And it was, you know, it, it was it was a it was a good atmosphere and, and a really good occasion. And I think everyone went away and, and had enjoyed it. The United players had a huddle on the pitch at the end and um, they had a team photo on the pitch at the end. They did a full lap of honour. A lot of fans stayed behind to clap them. So, yeah, I think for for those players, certainly, and for a lot of the fans there, many of whom it might have been a first trip to Old Trafford, given the, the family occasion, I think it was a, a pretty memorable day. And 
something I'm sure that the team and, and Mark Skinner would would hope would happen more often. There's, there's certainly no reason why during those international breaks they can't play one or two games a season at Old Trafford. And it shows with, with the crowd. I'm not sure there's been an official attendance announced. It's only also announced on the day, but I guess 25 to 30,000 there. And, you know, it shows there is... There is an appetite. They get a couple of thousand at, at Lee. It shows moving the game to Old Trafford is is a great yeah. shop window for them and, and might have the knock-on effect of getting some more fans down to Lee. So I think it's certainly something that's worth doing as often as United can during the season. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the accessibility and making it you know, such an inviting product for people to come to actually witness it and making it affordable and accessible. You know, that's that's what it's all about, really, isn't it? And yeah, you know, United might actually get Champions League football there next season, but it might not be Ralph Rangnick's side who do it. Uh, Leicester then at the weekend on the horizon. Obviously, we will be back later in the week to discuss the press conference ahead of that game and to preview that match as well. But yeah, Samuel, what are you expecting this week ahead? Obviously, lots of players still involved in international duty on Tuesday night. Ronaldo, of course, involved in that high-profile World Cup playoff against North Macedonia. Expecting any sort of updates from United before the weekend, or do you think it'll be quite a quiet one? I, I suspect it'll be quite quiet, unless for some reason there is something that happens with, with the managerial situation. It, it did three years ago, but as I said, they aren't expecting anything um, imminent at all. And I still think it's maybe a bit too early for for an announcement or an agreement to, to be reached, even though they have, of course, um, you know, they, they've spoken to Ten Hag. So there's no reason why they, 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 don't, they couldn't make an announcement or certainly reach an agreement. But it depends of, as to whether they feel compelled to, you know, speak to the other candidates um i think a couple of them are, are real outsiders anyway and uh in in, in luis enrique and hulen lopetegui they, they've never really felt like real prime prime options as far as the summer is concerned enrique is going to be the spain coach at the next world cup i, I don't think he's going to do a mark hughes and be blackburn manager and wales manager simultaneously i think that's a little bit too much to ask for it's it's, it's, it's probably, it probably was manageable for, for, for Hughes for a period um, at, at that level, but I think you know, juggling Spain and, and Money Night it is, is, is would be rather tricky, especially given David de Gea's situation as well. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, you know, the, the Rangnick press comments on, on Friday should be quite interesting, given that there are a number of things to to ask him about. Um, I mean, I'm sure someone will even. You know, bring up the fact that he went to Barbados, which I wasn't particularly offended by, but a lot of United fans clearly were. And it looked like there was some training footage or training pictures where he might not have been present for, for a training session as well. So, you know, there's there's all there's always a hell of a lot to go out after an international break. Um, but as, as far as that Leicester game is concerned, every, every game has to be treated as must-win at United. I mean, it should be already, but clearly it isn't it's almost as if they've up until this point they've almost operated under this acceptance that they would drop points but because other teams would drop points it's okay but the situation has changed now Tottenham are above them as well as Arsenal um the the unity in that Arsenal camp although it's very Arsenal you know celebrating victories as if there's going to be a trophy procession which was very much like how they were I think in the 2007-8 season it was it was quite baffling at times, especially after they got that draw against United. And then, of course, they did that season trophyless. But the other side to that point is that Arteta's got got all of those players on the side and they're completely committed to, to trying to do the utmost for Arsenal. And that's got them into the position they're in at the moment. But as, as we've discussed previously with those games in hand and 
I think Arsenal's running is a little bit trickier than people make out. There are certain away games there. I think they've got Southampton away and Palace away, which are far from gimmies, really. I mean, Palace have a pretty good season, say the least. Southampton have, have got a reasonable home record and have had some pretty good results against the elite at home this season as well. But I just don't have any faith that United can go on a consistent run. Um, it's almost as if they're, they're, they're clock. I mean, they have been clutching at stores for a long time, but... You can imagine Rangnick saying, well, we've not got any midweek European games. It's just all on the Premier League, so we can just have an intense focus on that. But I don't think many people who watch United regularly have, have any faith in them winning. You probably need to win six or seven games to to finish fourth. And it, it just seems beyond them, really. Yeah. So I was going to come to you lastly, just on the manager search. I saw some strange outcry on social media at the weekend saying United are sort of wasting time by not appointing someone over the international break. Obviously, you know, you're going for candidates who are already in jobs anyway and they've got their own interests at heart. And it is such a big decision. You know, United have been criticised in the past for acting so rashly and jumping into these decisions, you know, without giving them careful consideration. What have you made of, of that, you know, United's stance on it? Do you think it is it was always going to be looking at the tail end of the season for appointment or did you ever have a belief they would have actually appointed someone this international break? No, I think they're always likely to make progress during this international break, but I, I'm not sure an appointment was ever particularly likely. I mean, who's, whose time are they wasting? Because whoever they appoint isn't going to start work until the end of the season or the summer. So... <clears throat> excuse me, difficult to see whose time they're, they're actually wasting. I mean, they could say now we're going to appoint Ten Hag. I mean, Ten Hag has got quite a lot on his plate at Ajax at the moment, as, as Samuel mentioned. So, you know, no one's going to come in and start work on ahead of Saturday's game against Leicester. So I don't really see whose time they're wasting. I think this two-week break was always an obvious time to, to look at things and accelerate the process and have those conversations with prospective candidates. But, you know, in reality, even if United say, yeah, it's it's Ten Hag we want. You know, I, I'm not sure how amenable Ajax are going to be to having that sort of thing made public when they are in a pretty tight title race um, with PSVI, you know, only two points ahead, still going, like Sammy said, for that double. So, you know, it's not just United's decision here. They, they have to get Ten Hag out of a contract at Ajax or whoever it may be. So it's not like United can just ride Rothschild and say, yeah, it's Ten Hag, announce it now. It's just it's unrealistic to expect that to happen. And it's also pointless because he's not going to start work until the summer anyway. So I think it's, you know, it, it was always a time to make progress and accelerate the search, but there's no real need to make an announcement now. Um, why not keep your options open, see what happens? Maybe something changes with Luis Enrique's situation or something like that, as unlikely as it is. Um, so no, I don't, you know, I don't really see an issue. And I think I'd still be surprised if anything was announced before the end of the season, to be honest, especially if it is someone like Ten Hag, because it's only going to be unsettling for Ajax, even if it's an open secret. Once it's made public, it can be a different kettle of fish. So, you know, I think it's it's likely to be post-end of the season. There's a difference between having the announcement and United knowing who it, who it is. It might be that within the club, mm -hmm. they're already saying, we know it's Ten Hag, we want Ten Hag. But an announcement is is a different thing, and I think it's it might be a while before we get something like that. 
Okay, so do not reply to us saying it out to Ten Hag. That's basically what we're trying to hammer <laughs> home, aren't we? Okay, but uh, that, that's fine. But like you said, follow us at the, on the Manchester City News for all the latest on United's manager searching for all the latest this week as well. And the build-up to that Leicester game, which we will start maybe after the internationals are done sort of on Tuesday. And we'll look ahead to that game in the podcast later in the week. So Tyrone, Samuel, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Rich. Nice one. Thank you, Rich. And thank you very much wherever you are in the world. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already.